saying how the Lord told me at the beginning of the year that I just, because I, I began to complain as I seldom do to the Lord. And, uh, and instead of just rebuking me, <laughs> as would be his right, he just told me, son, you just need to learn to keep it simple. He said, everything you ever needed to know about your ministry, I taught you in the first few months of our relationship. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace and mercy and peace. Thank you for your precious word and the anointing that rests here in this place and on me, your servant. Help me to share your truth with this little body, this field of your people, Lord, that they might receive the precious manna from heaven into good ground and that it will take root and bear fruit in their lives. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So tell me, don't worry so much. You know, when the Lord, when the Lord just, just says things as a matter of fact that you teach people not to do all the time, you go, oh, well, I don't. Oh, never mind, I do. Okay. So he'll call you on some things. He says, just quit worrying about every little thing. It's not you. You're just a vessel. Just be content. Believe for great things, but be content with what you have. I always say, if you're not living on the edge and you're a real spirit-filled Christian, you're taking up too much space. We're meant to do great things, but we're meant to be content right where we're at. This is a spiritual mystery. Just like the Holy Trinity. Without the Holy Spirit, you can't understand it. Neither can you understand how we are to struggle to enter rest. (laughs) It seems like, (laughs) don't you just rest to rest? No, you struggle to enter his rest. Amen. (laughs) But he's got this. So he told me, I got this. He said, I sat down because I was finished. It's done. Now just go tell them about me. Just stay close to me, he said. Remember how he taught me so powerfully about, and we, we I shared it with you, how we, we need to stay close to him. And I used the example of Peter on the night of the Lord's betrayal. How Peter was ready to throw down. You know, he was always the first one to jump up and willing to fight and cut a fellow's ear off. You know why he did that? Because he missed his head. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus, so kind, put it back on. But Peter wasn't ready for the, the persecution. He would fight. He was quick to fight. Well, I remember those days. You talk about fighting to me, you done talk too long. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> the Lord had to teach me a new way. 
This is the only offensive weapon I have now. Amen. This Bible. But Peter, he says, uh, when they arrested Jesus and took him back, remember it said Peter followed at a distance. And I use that example that that distance, that space between him and the Lord is what gave room for Satan to come in. Take advantage of that situation in times of fear and doubt and worry and stress and concern and all those things. He just loves. And just like that wolf takes that, that lone sheep off and does this terrible work when they get apart from the body. Amen. Last week we talked about living free in the Lord. That's something that we all need to endeavor to do. It's a result we talked about of our laying our ourselves on the altar as living sacrifices. What John uh, uh, Paul called us to do in Romans twelve one and two, becoming living sacrifices. I always joke and say the problem with a living sacrifice is it likes to keep crawling down off the altar. <laughs> it's all right. You will. Just crawl back up there. Amen. We need to reckon ourselves dead. And this is a hard thing. But this is how we participate. This is how we cooperate with in our relationship with, with all the spiritual laws and things that God has in place for our benefit. Amen. Amen. You have to come to terms with the fact that it's not about you anymore. And if you want to find your life, you talk, you see all these people all the way from the 60s. I remember, you know, I'm going to go find myself. Well, you have to die to yourself if you want to find yourself. Because your real life is in Christ. Amen. This is how we enjoy all and realize all the things that God has planned for us. The benefits that he has for us in this life and for all eternity. Not allowing sin to reign in our mortal bodies. That's what it says. Don't allow. Do not allow. That means when God tells you to do something like that, as a new covenant believer, you better be looking at this word through the new covenant lens of grace. I remember I worked security for a man named John Connolly one time. He used to sing that song, Rose-Colored Glasses. And he sold rose-colored glasses on the side. We went on his bus, and he's a nice guy. But we need to be looking through the lens of grace and truth. Amen. That's the name of this church. Because that's what came with Jesus. We don't want to give Satan inroads into our lives. That's why we don't let sin reign in our mortal bodies. It's not that... God is waiting up there. I, I always say people must think he's Zeus instead of God. Because <laughs> they picture him as this old man with the long beard and a lightning bolt. That's the wrong. <laughs> That's fiction, folks. That's not our God. Our Jesus. Our King. 
He's good. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the one who died for our sins and loves us so much. And I wonder today, do you know him? I know him. He wants you to come to a place where you're done with all that old stuff, you see. And you're done, and you can live free. Free of all the shame and degradation and agony that sin brings upon not only you, but everybody that loves you. Amen. That's why God hates sin. He's not trying to keep you from anything or withhold anything good from you. He has something better for you. Every time you turn loose of something you've been holding on to so tightly, he's like, finally, now, here's a brand new keyboard with your name on it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's something else. So how? How do we do this? Romans 8, 11 says, if the Spirit... Capital S, Holy Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. See, now, folks, you have the power within you to live the supernatural life that God has called you to live. And that's what it is. Make no mistake. Ephesians 3.20 says, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Isn't that what it says? Do you believe that God is able to do exceedingly, exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think? Amen. Amen. But that's not all it says. Some churches maybe. It says, according to the power that worketh in us. It's a relationship, folks. There's a part for you to play in every relationship. Some of us know that. Based on past struggles and trials and losses and relationships that were damaged because one party or the other didn't do their part. Amen. So I have a question. So if God does all this, what do we do? It's a fair question, right? I mean, the people of Jesus' day, they asked the same thing. Turn over to John chapter 6. And just pray for me, because you know how I do. (laughs) I get somewhere and I'll just start... (laughs) I'll just start preaching right there. uh, Because it's all so wonderful. Amen. Amen. I guess I I need to lay a little foreground, because... (laughs) This is really good stuff. Did I tell you I love you today? With the exception of a couple 
No, no, not the love part. Yesterday, I'm, I'm telling a story. I, I got Boy, that sounded bad. No. I prayed for everybody here yesterday. But uh, most of you I prayed for by name. And that takes a little over a mile, about a mile and a half, walking with a dog that stops every six feet. <laughs> and me stopping and praising God and admiring him and saying, wow, every few feet too. Because that's what I do. People must think I'm a little crazy, Maddie. Or a lot. <laughs> Because I see it all in the spirit, you see. When I see the beautiful trees and they're just praising God like this. I think how in the Bible that's talking about us, you see. And that wind just blowing through them. You see the Holy Spirit having its effect on them as they dance to God, you see. Oh yeah, John 6. So, so <laughs> I, I, I'm gonna I gotta talk about John six. Let me just read it first in case I don't get there. Six twenty eight and six twenty nine. The people then they said to him to Jesus, "What what what must we do to be doing the works of God?" You see there, I told you the Bible said that. Another place they asked, "What do we have to do to get saved?" But right here, they wanted to, they wanted to duplicate his, his efforts. What, what, what must we do to do the works of God? Jesus answered, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. Amen. Boy, Jesus has a way of just tidying things up, doesn't he? You know, a little later in this chapter, he says some things that offended because he, he was always, I think it was his goal to, to offend these religious hypocrites of his day who had let their traditions and doctrines of men make the word of God of none effect. And uh, his disciples came to him and later on in the chapter, so I'm not going there, and they said, they said, don't you know you offended them with your teaching? A lot of them were offended. He said, you want to leave too? See, this isn't the Jesus you hear about from everybody. Oh, God is love and he's just cool with everything. And I can't imagine he would have any problem with anybody. Just live and let live. Praise God. He does love everybody. He is love. Amen. And he hates things that hurt people. That's because he loves them. Amen. And it says, but, but that day, many, many departed and they, they followed him no more. You know, it says that John six sixty six. <laughs> But you know what they said when he said, believe, believe in him who God sent. You know what they said after that? Well, then show us a, show us a sign so we can believe. 
You know what's so weird about that? That's all he had been doing. Matter of fact, he just fed the 5,000 with, with a sack lunch and, and, and then he went up on the mountain to pray and he sent his disciples in a boat across the lake, across the sea, right? And I'll tell you what happened out there in a second. But, but the next day they couldn't find him. This same group of people, they couldn't find him. They're looking for him. They remember he didn't leave with them, but the disciples left. So they're looking for him. They couldn't find him. They put two and two together because they really want to find this guy. Who just apparently can just call down a grocery store from heaven anytime he wants. <laughs> and they went and got in boats and they went all the way across the river, the lake as well and found him. And then they're there. Show us, show us a sign. Well, well, excuse me. <laughs> but that night, those guys got into a, a little bit of trouble. They were rowing all night long until the last watch of the night, which is the last three hours before 6 a.m., right? That's the last watch. Anyway, and Jesus comes walking by, and you'd have to actually go. This is count is told in three different the Gospels. The book of John here, it doesn't mention some of this part about Peter walking on the water, but this is the same account. John doesn't tell it, Mark doesn't tell it, but in Matthew chapter 14, uh, around the 22nd verse, it does tell it, okay? So you have to put all the Gospels together to kind of get the whole picture sometimes. But he was walking by Jesus, and they were struggling and striving, and they were in a bad situation. And he comes walking by, and as if he would have, and he was just going to pass on by them. And they saw him and they thought it was a ghost and they were afraid. And Jesus would have passed by, but then they were afraid. And they said, he said, don't, don't be afraid. I, I'm paraphrasing because I, I, I know, I know all the different descriptions. And now I'm telling it in Texan. <laughs> I said, he said, don't be afraid. It's me. He had to. He would have went by. He didn't want to walk by. He wanted to help them, didn't he? But what did he need? He needed to get them out of fear and get them into faith. He needed to make them believe so they could receive. Amen. And when they did, he got into the boat and... Not only did everything calm down, but immediately they were a mile away on the shore. Translated. Mm -hmm. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. So what does a life believing... In Jesus look like. Well. He just believe he exists. Because his brother. Wrote a book too. James and Jude did actually. And James said. A very sarcastic. <laughs> scripture in here. He says. You believe in God. Good for you. So does the devil. <laughs> and he trembles. You know, hey, not only does the devil and his demons, they not only believe, but they, they're scared to death of him. 
So apparently just believing He exists isn't enough. (laughs) A life resting in Jesus' finished work is a life trusting in Jesus and living according to His Word and His teachings the best we can. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord and not do what I tell you? In Luke 6, 46. That's like one of them throw your hands up thing. It's like... (laughs) What do I got to do first of all to prove that I am who I say I am? And you've been with me all this time. Why do you keep... Why do you keep coming back to me with the same problems having done nothing to change? Is it Einstein who said... uh, Doing the same thing, expecting a different outcome, definition of insanity. (laughs) I think that's what Jesus was implying here. He says, look, I don't get it wrong, okay? If I tell you something, it's better than E.F. Hutton. (laughs) Boy, I know we need some younger folks. See, Maddie's the only one didn't laugh. She's like, who's E.F. Hutton? Long time ago, Maddie. We're not that old. Maybe. I got my first old fogey. I told you all that a few weeks ago. So Then I met a man the other day. He said, oh, you don't even qualify yet, son. I said, all right. <laughs> not an old fogey. <laughs> Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? And then he tells them a parable. Remember, the ones who didn't do what he said, he compared to people that just go out and build a house on the sand and expect it not to wash away when the storm comes. And it does. And then the ones who, on the flip side of the coin, like you all who listen and do, not just hearers of the word, but doers of the word is what the word calls us to do. That's like the person who... Dug all the way down to the bedrock. That house, you can't do anything to hurt it. Amen. Amen. It's got a strong foundation with Jesus Christ as the chief cornerstone. Amen. Amen. The capstone. Hallelujah. Keeping it simple though. John 13, 35. Jesus said what? By this... He's like, by this, everyone will know you're my disciples. Okay. All right. He's going to tell me, by what? If you love one another. If you love one another. I love this place right here. It has nothing to do with the place, although I love the place too. It messes all the religious folks up. <laughs> But there's love here. And you can feel it when you walk in this place. There's a love for God. And there's a love for people. And that is it. So, love believers to start with. Talks a lot about that. I don't know if people really pay attention to how much that's a that's a big thing in the Bible. Do good to everybody, especially the household of faith. 
Especially to believers. How can you say you love your father in heaven who you can't see when you don't love your brother? You're talking about believers, fellow believers whom you can see. We talk about all the division in this country and I think, yeah, half of it's in the church on Sunday mornings. You get all these little families of skunks walking in, got their own pew. But here's one. And then there's the other half of the family back there. They don't speak. Haven't for years. You know? All right. Just meddling now, right? Okay. So love believers. But then it says love everyone. It's a little harder. Forgive everyone. Okay. This is unnatural. That's right. I'm talking about the supernatural life now. Be free. Love believers. Love others. Love God. Forgive. Be free. You want to be free? Then get rid of all the prison bars you've erected around yourself. Forgiveness is forgiveness is like letting somebody out of prison and then learning that you were the inmate. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. That's why that's why people talk about these great educators of our day and I'm like are they are they are they believers? I don't then I'm not interested. If they don't fear God and their main goal is when you send off your child to their school for fifty, eighty thousand dollars a year to make sure if they get there with faith not to leave with it, I'm not gonna condone that. Why should I? How can I? In good conscience. We need to hate what God hates. Isn't that fair? If He hates it and He is love, then it's bad. We're supposed to hate evil. And we're supposed to engage in the fight. That's why He has a a whole description of the armor He's given us. Because we're in a battle, we're in a war, whether we believe it or not. If you're a mealy-mouthed fence-sitter, then you lose by default. The fence belongs to Satan. Micah 6, verses 7 and 8, says, Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and ten thousands of rivers of oil. So this is in the old covenant. You have to kind of look through the new covenant lens of grace. He, 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 all this stuff you're going to give me. And you think you can just do whatever you want and just come and make a, a huge sacrifice. And he says, Would the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, oh man, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. 
That's it. If you can't be kind, then at least be quiet. (laughs) Sometimes it's hard. But we can't just be good to those that are good to us. The Bible says that. That doesn't make us any different than the world. The world does that. When I was... When I was living for the devil, I, I was good to people that were good to me. I'd, I'd go to battle for them. I wasn't saved. The supernatural life is being good to those that aren't good to you. Loving those that aren't lovely. God doesn't love you because you're lovely. <laughs> Sorry to say, you're all lovely to me, but compared to God, all of our righteous acts are just like filthy rags. Compared to Him, you're going to put things in proper perspective. I have a friend I grew up with, love him dearly. He's lucky to be my friend on social media because everybody there gets prayed for, whether they know it or not. And I've been praying for this one for years because when we were growing up, he was he was dedicated. Uh, well, he went to church, <laughs> and he really has studied it out. He spent a life studying it out, and he finally just decided it wasn't true. And I can, but I I know some things about him that he doesn't know. He knows some things about me that I don't want anybody to know. You know, we grew up together. <laughs> but, but I love him, and he loves me, and we're, we're friends, and he respects me, even though he doesn't buy into this, you see. But he listens to me because he knows. Because Have you figured out this? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. He knows I care about him. And I haven't given up on him, and I'm not going to. And believe me, I don't care what kind of atheist or agnostic or whatever you call yourself. To know that somebody is praying and believing for you out of a sincere heart, you can feel that, and something inside you really loves that. Yes. Yes. I posted, uh, sometimes I don't put a new scripture or something like that I'll put put one that I posted six or eight years ago and I'll just hit share it you know a memory right and I had posted one it said it was Isaiah 43 18 says do not call to mind the former things or ponder the things of the past and he replies please explain sounds like really bad advice <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. And uh, I, it depends on what the Lord is leading me. I, I let the peace of God umpire in my heart. I may or may not answer somebody. Because if I don't, I don't care what I have to say. If I don't feel like the Lord wants me to say something, then it's better if I just don't say anything. And if that's rude, then I'm sorry, but it's I, I'm dead. I'm dead to me, and because of that, I'm dead to you. In other words, you can't, you don't bother me. 
Because I love you. And I'm dead. You, you can walk on me and, and, and kick me and spit me. I'm still going to believe for your salvation, you see. Because I don't want anybody to miss that. <clears throat> and so I said, okay, it means <laughs> never let your memories be greater than your dreams. The devil wants you stuck and condemned. Jesus wants you to live a beautiful, abundant life, free of sin, doubt, confusion, condemnation, sickness, bitterness, and unforgiveness. And he'll help you to dream again if you will get to know him and trust him. He says, William Brocker, your explanation is much better. The quote says unequivocally, to not learn from your past. I like yours much better. I said, understood. And then he goes on about telling me how it's very doubtful that, that he says, although the odds Isaiah is making a reference to Yeshua or a devil, neither of which appear in Judaism until some uh, hard, hard name introduced duality is minimal. See, he's a scholar of the word, uh, the logos. You see, he knows this book better than I do. And all the other religions he studied, you see. <clears throat> I know this from our past exchanges. You know what I told him? It's all about Jesus. I say it's all about our Redeemer. Every single word in the Old Covenant points to him in type and shadow. If we ask the Father... He will send us the comforter to teach and guide and remind us of everything Christ Jesus has said, even pre-incarnate. It's impossible to have revelation of the word through logos only. It must be Raymond. He loves you. Keep seeking. He's watching and listening. I'm still praying for you. Amen. <laughs> and it's been almost 24 hours. I shut him up so far. <laughs> That can't help but bless you. Amen. There's a part. See, some people can wax cold, dipping that string in that wax so long that their heart waxes cold to God and they just can't get through anymore. And then that person is lost, you see. I don't think that's the case with this man. And it's not for me to judge. God knows, but I don't know. And when I get home and I see the Lord, He's not going to tell me, you wasted too much time on this one. No. <laughs> he's not going to say anything like that. I still believe. Amen. Greg Laurie, who I really like. Y'all know who he is? He's out in California. I'll give him credit for this, this time. And maybe if I tell it again, but then it's mine. That was first second time. But he says, when a believer can praise God during times of difficulty, a lost world pays attention. Amen. Don't you agree with that? I do. I thought that was great. He's right. He's right. Because it's not natural. You know, when if, if you just won the lottery and you praise the Lord, you know, that's pretty easy. But I never forget You know, being cut from here to here and laying in a, in a cold room on a table by myself 
couple days into it, the day after, two days after, I think, and waiting for some other thing to happen to me. I'll never forget singing, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. And that's what happened. That's what happened in that little room. There was nobody there as far as I knew. When I was rolled in there and I couldn't see anybody, I heard singing along with me. The angels was cool. I've seen Jesus. Angels are cool, but they know better than I am. They're here to serve. I figured they're hanging out, chilling, singing with me. I looked over and there's a lady, believer, with her mama. She's singing. And it's just like a heavenly choir, you know. And next I look and there's a young girl, works there, standing in the door. She's like, what's that? And the lady over here, I hear her say, He's praising, he's praising our God, baby. Amen. Yeah. She said, that's awesome. Yeah. That makes an impact. Mm-hmm. If you stay close to Jesus, your life will get exciting, folks. But if you drift into the flesh, into the carnal realm, and you linger there, you know, it's going to get lonely sometimes. But when you live the life in or after the Spirit, in agreement with Jesus, you'll be blessed. It's a rewarding life. I love the painter. He's departed now, but uh, Thomas Kincaid, they call him the painter of light. We were uh, going through a hard time. We lost uh, our big dog our big Brutus after nine and a half years and uh, man a dog like that he was my sidekick it just becomes such a part of your life and Tavana was just devastated and it was in the month of January it was her birthday and I took her over to Old Town Spring and uh, they had uh, Thomas Kincaid Art Gallery over there and uh, we met the people and and all that and and I decided, well, this would be great if I could if I could get one of these for her. Uh, and I looked around. I'm like, well, maybe you can just get you can buy order prints online or something. <laughs> like <laughs> duplicates. And you can't do that really. Uh, and so uh, we were looking around, and I, she, I'm like, okay, well, maybe because she was excited to be there, and I'm like, well, maybe I could swing one of these, you know, and. But there's one set up on the floor on its own stand, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's, this is the one they really want to sell you, right? <laughs> and that thing was gorgeous. And Tavana says, I want that one. I'm sure you do. <laughs> Just like the day we were walking out of, out of uh, the... The seafood restaurant, Papado's, Papa for lunch one day. And she goes, and we were thinking about getting her a new car. And she goes, now see, I could, something like that would be all right. 
I said, yeah, I guess so. She goes, is it expensive? <laughs> yeah, baby. That's a... Uh, uh, well, I can't even think what it is now. So, no, it's uh, similar, but a, a big car. Um, and they make smaller ones now, but they are always a big car. Uh, anyway, I'll, I'll think of it. Like a Bentley or something, but they're different. Anyway... It was one of those, you know, the, the base model's probably just under 300 grand or something, you know. <laughs> anyway, I got her this, uh, I got her this painting. Cause we went over there, I said, what's, they all have names, you know. And it was called New Day Dawning. And it's, it's just beautiful. It's, uh, it's, it's hanging in our living room, but it's got a, it's got a cabin like he usually did, and he paints in the windows. You can just, it's like you're there. You can see the light, the smoke coming out of the chimney. And he always puts these little Christian effects all in throughout, little hidden in his paintings. Uh, like, you know, on a bench, there might be a Bible sitting there, a little Bible tent, or a cross painted in a window or something like that. And you'll see all sorts of things throughout the painting like that. And... Uh, Anyway, and then there's a big, it's the, the, the cabin is right next to the, a big ocean and the sea, the storm, the, I mean not storm, but the waves are crashing on and there's a boat out there and you can see the sun coming up. And then off to the right side of the house, there's a little gazebo, I mean, a, what do you call those little trellis things? Thing, and there's a little path and it goes off into the woods, you see the, the narrow path. And then you've got the broad highway over here, you see. Anyway, I can just look at this thing for hours. We got to spend some time with his brother, Patrick. He's a doctor. He, he's also a painter, and he did some highlights on it and things like that. And I think he showed Tavana a couple more little hidden things in there that she wasn't aware of. But I see that narrow pathway every day. I look at it, and I, and I make a conscious decision. You know, it's what it takes to walk on that path. Every day we have to bear our cross. It's a choice. Every day you're going to come to that crossroads where you'd rather do something. Every day I have that. But Jesus says this. And I say, okay. Your way, Lord, not mine. See, religion, folks, is where you get bound. Intimacy with the Lord, that's where you, that's where you get free. That's where you get found. In a world of social media and technology and all of the things that are at our disposal... So many distractions, so many things that, that the enemy uses to compete for our time and attention. We have to do things on purpose, you see. It takes a lot of that. We have to stop immersing ourselves in studying other people's stories so much and realize that we've been written into his. Mm-hmm. His life was cut short here. We're finishing it out for Him. Amen. You might be the only Jesus somebody's going to meet. 
When's the last time, you know, that some people that love you have ever seen your face without a phone in front of it? (laughs) We need to learn to pray. We need to learn to use our godly imagination to see ourselves as he does. That's what we've been talking about last week and the week before, identifying ourselves with Christ, understanding who we are in this new born-again self. The old man is dead, really. You died with Jesus on that cross. And the life that you now live, it shouldn't be you living any longer, but Christ who lives in you. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you and gives life to your mortal body now. You're protected, covered by the blood of Jesus. You've got people praying for you. You've got intercessors. You've got the Holy Spirit. You've got Jesus Himself. Philippians 3, and I'll finish up here. Philippians chapter 3. I, I, I love how Paul... You have to... He, he gets so happy and excited and talks so positively sometimes. You have to remind yourself he was chained up in a prison cell <laughs> writing a lot of this. Philippians 3, verse 13... I'll back up to 12. Because <laughs> he's talking about straining toward this goal, you see. The call of God. He, he says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead... I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He says, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything, in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. That's what I was telling my friend earlier. If you make the connection. You can't understand God just by reading the words. Of, this is words on a page right here. Until I mix it with faith. Smith Wigglesworth says, Some like to read their Bibles in the King James. Some like to read it in Greek. Some like to read it in Latin. I read mine in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Yeah. 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 You shut up. But... But, and he saw a lot of people raised from the dead. He would preach in a town before they had microphones and God would carry his voice supernaturally and the whole town would hear his message like he was on the radio. He would tell people, he would get a letter about healing. He said, uh, he'd write them back and said, if I come, you better be willing to get healed. Because we're going to go into a room and we're not coming out until you're healed. Are you ready for that? A man knocked on his door, another minister who admired him greatly one day, and he said, I've traveled from so-and-so far, this is over in England, he said, to come and see you, may I come in? 
He had a newspaper rolled up under his arm. He says, you can come in, but that newspaper has to stay outside. Amen. You're going to have to... Every time I complain to God, because I stay really busy. I work a full-time job and then some other jobs. And then... But this is, this is who I am, you see. That's just what I do. But every time I complain to God, or I've gotten to where I'm smart about it. I, <laughs> I, because if I tell him, you, I don't have enough time to do everything you call me to do. He said, I didn't call you to do some of that. <laughs> and he'll show you where to shave, shave it off. And I said, that, but that's the part I, I you know, enjoy the most. <laughs> uh, he loves us. And the world's opinion, your worldly opinion, if you have one, I hope you don't, about anything, or your feelings about things, they don't change the Word of God, folks. If God said it, that settles it. Isn't that right, John? And we're not always going to get it right. The Bible says, Be ye perfect, therefore, as your Father in heaven is perfect. Everybody goes, Ugh. He's talking basically about our attitudes and relationships. You know, you're not going to be perfect in this life. But are you willing to be perfected? Along the way. Are you, God don't care where you've been. That's why I keep saying. Because the devil wants nothing more than to get you stuck in a rut. And let your memories be way greater than any dreams. And to stop you from dreaming and just looking backwards and just regretting and all that. God hates that. He would rather you just know him very well. And just come to him every day and say, Lord, I dropped the ball right there. He says, I know. You're good. Come on, let's go. And then don't mention it no more. Once you got it, once you know you're good. He already forgave you 2,000 years ago. It's good to go to him because you're cleansing your conscience. But once you talk about it with him, don't bring it up all the time. He's like, oh. Oh. Father. <laughs> no, he doesn't do that. <laughs> the provision for your life is in the promises of this word. But they're just written here until you mix them with faith and make them your own. There was a woman named Melissa that she had an epidural during childbirth and it called it caused arachnoid epidosis yeah I said it that's a terrible thing I, I can't imagine but they say they to give an example they say it's like having the pain of stage four cancer constantly And she had that for two and a half years. And she and her family, because of legalistic teaching from their own church, 
thought that God had sovereignly opted not to heal her. And so she wasn't healed until she started hearing the truth from my friends about the goodness of God, about the provision of God. And they began to believe what they heard and they started speaking scriptures over her spine for healing and wholeness and believing and she was gradually healed. And now her mess, that whole family's mess and everybody they knew was affected by, of course, now that mess is a message and it's a good thing because they know the truth about the God who loves them instead of blaming Him for things that the devil who hates them was doing. Praise God. So let's learn to be water walkers. Amen? Like Peter. But God is just looking for an invitation. He needs... You know, there's a passive faith like the man that laid by the pool of Bethesda. And that's okay. At least it's faith. <laughs> but it requires somebody else to kind of do something for you, you see. But then there's, a, there's an active faith. Like the woman with the issue of blood. And that's the kind that we want. It's aggressive. It, it goes and takes hold of what God has to offer. And, and, and it just doesn't let go. Until it returns, having accomplished what you sent it forth to do. Amen. Don't let your faith rest until it comes back with what you sent it to get. <laughs> Kenneth Hagin used to say, faith is the hand that reaches out and obtains, grabs hold of the things provided by grace. Let's keep things simple. Learn to say no to things that God didn't ask us to do. Love God. Love people. Do justice. Love kindness. And walk humbly with your God. But don't, don't be a pacifist regarding receiving from God. And helping others to do the same. That's the acronym for this church, by the way. Help. Heal. Empower. Love. And prosper. <coughs> We're here to receive that same help and then the, with the overflow to help others. Amen. Let's thank God for the power that He works in us to represent Him well in fairness, in kindness, in humility, and repent of the prejudices that we have, of the unkindnesses that we've shown, and the pride that we've walked in towards those around us. That's a good idea. That's a good start. You ever heard of a man named Nick Vujicic? He has no arms and no legs. Maybe now you remember him. And he's a great man of God. A minister of God. You know what he says? Four words he says to everybody he meets. Give me a hug. 
pressure in our lives will sometimes reveal stress cracks. It didn't cause the crack. It just reveals it. Little chinks in our armor. Weaknesses that the enemy uses to come in, you see. And God wants to fix those chinks in your armor. He's not condemning you. He's not criticizing you. He's trying to protect you. I think of that little kid in the Christmas story. He's always mama zipping him up and all. <laughs> he can't walk in that big coat and going out in the snow. She's trying to protect him, you see. <laughs> but God does the pruning. Not with sickness, not with death, not with disease or poverty. Those things are all of the devil. He does the pruning in his garden. That's all of you with this word right here, if you'll allow him. It has everything that you need. And if you let him, he's the perfect doctor. He's the great physician. He's the master builder. Do you know him? He loves you. And I do too. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and grace and mercy. Thank you for your precious word and promises. Thank you for the power that dwelleth in us to accomplish all that you've called us to be and to do. We thank you, Lord, that you love us so much and We thank you that you will help us to protect this word in the garden of our hearts, that it will take root and bear fruit in our lives, and that we will be helped, healed everywhere we hurt, empowered by your promises, loved by you in a way that is tangible and we know it, and we will prosper in every way and we will go help others with the same help we've received. In Jesus' name, amen.